So this book is out. It's out. Yeah. The new mayor of Brampton is still settling scores. Patrick Brown's takedown, the attempted political assassination of Patrick Brown, is now open for business. It's being released. And, um, you know, he says it's his way of telling his side of the story, you know, using words like rats, backstabbers, hyenas to describe those he says stabbed him in the back. But this is his version of events. And so you got to wonder, like, why now? Yes, he was wronged, but there is a civil suit working its way through the courts. So why the book? And why after he was just elected mayor? Like you got to wonder what possibly do you think this is going to do to help? So Alan uh, Carter sat down with Brown after reading the book, and we're going to go through some of the, the claims that Brown makes. And, and I come to this with a different perspective than most because I had done some work for the party when I pretty much thought I was out of this business. And so I know the players, the advisors, and, and the backstory kind of from a completely different perspective than than those on the other side. And so I have not read the book because it was only given out to a couple of people. It's being guarded very, very secretly. Uh, but I got a pretty good idea what's in those pages. And I'm not sure how the new mayor of Brampton expects to work with the province now moving forward after some of the things that have started to come out. And Brown told Alan Carter that he never watched that press conference, that infamous press conference that he delivered on that night. And so he's never seen that. But here is what he tells Alan about the events leading up to his ousting. So much happened in those few days, and, and remember, you know, I was uh, sent into a press conference. Uh, a script was designed for me uh, by people who were um, intentionally waiting to resign at the same time while I thought I was walking out to see them. It was, you know, that was the first uh, stone to fall in, in the efforts to have me removed as, as, uh, as, as leader. Could you imagine going into a press conference that people coached and prepared you for? coming out to see them and to see them not there, um, to, to, to see that it was all calculated and planned uh, to, to leave you there uh, alone. So, so Brown is referring to top advisors, which include his chief of staff, Ali Kanvelshi, and two other advisors who had worked on uh, several other successful conservative campaigns. And that night, after he was called and asked for comment on these allegations that were brought forward by a couple of women, Brown was advised he could not survive what was coming out. Period. He could not survive it and that he should resign. But Brown refused. And so they said, OK, if you are refusing to go and you think that you can weather this storm, they guided him on what he should do. But it was made very clear to him that he could not survive the allegations and that, in fact, he should resign. And then deal with it after the fact. And Alan asks him about that. You know, was Patrick Brown the architect of his own demise? But did you make the situation worse with that press conference? I think the advice um, of the staff members that uh, um, quit that night um, to have an immediate press conference was a mistake. Um, I didn't know at the time they were working against me. Um, and had I known that they were going to quit, had I known that they had been working against me, I certainly wouldn't have um, taken that advice. They were supposed to be the best of the best at crisis management. They're supposed to be the best of the best of um, campaigns, and uh, um, clearly that was the, that wasn't the case. But where does the buck stop with who hires that staff? 
oh, I, I certainly made a mistake on hiring those three individuals. It was, uh, um, you know, you, uh, I think the lesson is, is, is obviously uh, I, I should have stuck with the people that worked with me on the leadership, people that I'd worked with for a long time. Bringing in mercenaries from Ottawa was um, a fatal error. Okay, so that may be true. Loyalty is very hard to find in politics, so when you get it, politicians tend to grasp onto it and they keep those that they trust very, very close. But I don't know if Brown had any such people, because you got to remember, he had angered a lot of people during his leadership bid. He had burned bridges. And in politics, the gossip is endless. So there were a lot of whispers about, you know, things on who he dated, you know, issues of nomination issues. And certainly where Brown was concerned, I mean, it was the communications team job to make sure those issues were managed. And now Brown claims that the inner team did not protect him. When you have a false report that is as horrific as the CTV one was, um, it's not something anyone can be prepared for. Someone did a news story on national news about you with um, a false story that um, was appalling. How can you prepare for that? It's not something you ever prepare for. Then I come back to the question I asked previously. Mm. Are you to blame for your own demise because of the way you dealt with caucus, the people you put in place. So, I think that I could have made better uh, choices in in staff. I believe that I should have um, uh, picked a staff that weren't mercenaries. I should have picked staff that were, um, you know, longtime friends and loyalists. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that Brown had created enemies within the party himself, certainly on the core issues, because many in the base had felt. He had betrayed them, promising one thing in the leadership campaign, and then once elected, he flipped on things like the sex ed, like the carbon taxes. And these were issues dogging him daily. I mean, it was a constant job trying to sell and spin this carbon tax that the base hated so much it was so adamantly opposed to. And Brown was advised against going and doing things like that or running certain candidates that may be or posed problems. But ultimately, it was Brown's decision. He made the ultimate decisions. Why did you not reveal that you you had this serious relationship? And do you think that that was a mistake? So she didn't sign up for public scrutiny. Um, I did. Uh, And, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, we've got a beautiful marriage right now, and I'm so proud to, to have her as... As, as, as my wife, but uh, you know, starting out a relationship with someone who's a high-profile partner um, can, uh, and you're getting married, I'm sure you know, when you went on your first few dates it was, um, you know, you're a public figure and uh, uh, you have to take your time to, um, to share that news with, with, with everyone uh, uh, and uh, if anything, I think the, um, the way that Genevieve has handled the adversity that I faced over the last uh, year, the way she has been by my side, uh, I think has shown an incredible maturity, and, and I wish I had her publicly by my side earlier. You, but you talk about um, the, the age difference mm-hmm. that you have, and it's 16 years mm-hmm. in your case, and full disclosure, it'll be thir- it's 13 to 9, mm-hmm. so, uh, but you talk about the age difference being an impediment in your team saying that it should not be revealed. Yeah, there was there were some uh, people that said, and, you know, until you're engaged, until it's more formal, I don't share that with uh, 
with the world um, because of the age difference. I think it was one of the th one of the factors. Um, I, I think in politics they overthink everything. I'm not so sure about that. There was a 16-year age difference. So it was an issue. This was an issue that dogged Brown a lot in that time. Because in the offices at Queen's Park, this woman that he was dating, this 22-year-old, was only known as Gigi. That was the nickname given to her because the issue was that sensitive and not to be discussed. And now we know that Gigi is Genevieve, who is now married to Brown, and she's a lovely, smart woman. But back then, she was a 22-year-old girl that he was casually dating. And it was a, a constant source of whispers. And the newspapers were sniffing around on it. They knew about this. And the liberals knew about this. This was an issue that was going to come out. And certainly given the Me Too climate. And when you're running for the premier's job, it speaks to judgment. And so the team's position, the advisors around Brown, was that, you have to decide, are you in or are you out? There cannot be any gray area here. You're either in this relationship, you make it known, you put a ring on it, you get engaged, whatever. But you got to take a stand, period. You can't waver. But it did. It remained in this gray area. So ultimately, it would have come out and, yes, become a controversy. Why? Well, because the second you mention the age of this this person, it was the same thing. All the women in the office would go, oh, my God, what? 22? Like, what? Okay, that's going to be a hard one to spin. But he also, um, he takes a lot of shots at some of uh, Doug Ford's top ministers. So he takes aim at Finance Minister Vic Fideli, who he felt betrayed him. You describe the current uh, Finance Minister Vic Fideli as craven for power. I think he's a competent um, uh, individual, uh, but he uh, uh, is one of the most ambitious people you will meet. Uh, uh, and uh, I think we saw during that interim uh, period when he was the interim leader and was attempting to um, take over the leadership without an election, you know, that that was clearly an example uh, that, uh, um, you know, Mr. Fideli is a very, very aggressively ambitious individual. Is the province well served by him and the portfolio of finance? My worry is always when um, power and ambition are paramount uh, that uh, um, it's, a, it, it's a dangerous situation and I, and, and, and I hope that uh, the finance minister for Ontario's uh, um, sake will put his ambitions uh, and his crave for power uh, secondary to um, the health of the province of Ontario. Oh boy, well that's kind of rich, no? I mean, really? You got a new book out. A book that really isn't necessary. Uh, but but he did say that uh, Fideli dodged a bullet in, in a relation to a sexual misconduct allegation that had been investigated and said to involve a staffer in, uh, in caucus. But Fideli categorically denies this and uh, put out a statement on that today and has since hired a lawyer who will, I think, likely probably have made a few phone calls by now. So we'll watch where that goes. But he also was equally hard on Lisa McLeod, calling her names like nasty, always angry. She was hated by the party. Um, also suggested in the book that maybe she had faked her mental illness. But why, why would you write that? Do, do you believe that, that she's faked mental health issues? No, I, I, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but you put um, it in your book that those are concerns. Those were concerns that were raised by her staff and the Eastern Ontario uh, chair. Yeah. Fair. Um, yeah. I, and, and I think we try to highlight is throughout the time 
um, that I was leader, um, I did treat uh, Lisa McLeod well. I think the, the inclusion of that points that even when no one else wanted me to protect her, um, when she was on the verge of losing a nomination, I went out of the way to um, protect her candidacy because I thought we need to treat everyone as a, as a team. And despite my efforts to stick up for her uh, and treat her as a team member, um, she was one of the people that uh, um, was most aggressive in trying to uh, overthrow the, the, the duly elected leader of the party. Well, that got reaction, and uh, that that one comment, even going after mental illness issues, is, I think, the one that's blowing up the most. And uh, certainly Lisa's husband has noticed it and has lashed out. And uh, Ms. McLeod herself has reacted, saying that it's disgusting and cruel and categorically false. And the criticism being leveled at at, uh, Patrick Brown is, you know, here you are saying that you care about mental illness, and that was your big platform idea, and here you are now using it and weaponizing it to use it against someone. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.